This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, just a couple of snippets before we talk about today's news. I want to go back to our discussion from yesterday where I had my little rant about the Australian government Mm. deciding to call the West Bank area the occupied Palestinian territories and... um, um, I had some feedback actually from my dad yesterday, so I'll give him credit, because um, I didn't mention where the term the West Bank had originally come from. Um, but what transpires is that um, that area, um, which is uh, called the West Bank, Judea and Samaria on the west side of the Jordan River, was, um, as we mentioned yesterday, not accepted by the Arabs uh, to form a country when um, Israel was created. And then Jordan actually took control of that territory in 1948 and in 1950 annexed it to Jordan. And it was the Jordanians who termed the, who coined the term West Bank. They were the ones who called that area hmm. the West Bank of Jordan, of the Jordan River, as opposed to the East Bank of the Jordan, which was also part of the the Kingdom of Jordan at the time. So actually the term comes from the Jordanians. They were the ones who annexed the area in 1950. By the way, interestingly, the annexation was only recognized by, I think, three countries, the United Kingdom, Pakistan and Iraq, if my memory serves me correctly. Those were were the only three countries in 1950 that recognized Jordan's annexation of that area. And of course, 19, well, uh, 17 years after that, 1967, when Israel took control of that, there was a huge outcry, and now it's called the Occupied Territories. But um, it's just interesting to mention that the West Bank was a term coined by the Jordanians. Interesting, so, very um, interesting. Even mm. though it's become very, very emotive, I and mean, when people talk about the West Bank, it's so politicized, um, but actually that was a term by the Jordanians. Um, our Prime Minister is on his summer vacation, and he has traveled to the Golan Heights with Sarah, to holiday on a moshav called Neve Ativ in the Golan Heights. Right. And um, the protesters have followed him there. They have decided to protest um, outside his uh, holiday destination. Um, and the police decided to prevent the protesters from actually going onto the moshav where this um, holiday um, hotel um, is, where the prime minister is being hosted at the moment. And the demonstrators, would you believe, um, filed a motion with the High Court saying that their rights to demonstrate were infringed upon and, um, and, and filed a motion against the police to allow them to, be cut, to get closer to where the Prime Minister is holidaying rather than to be kept outside of the Moshav. And even though the High Court did actually dismiss that motion, 
um, they did insinuate that they felt that the police hadn't handled the situation very well. And the reason I think that they dismissed the motion, the court dismissed the motion, was because actually the police have subsequently allowed protesters onto the Moshav right outside the hotel where Prime Minister Netanyahu and Sarah... That's appalling, Anthony. I mean, I know that no matter what you think of uh, what you think of the protests or what you think of Netanyahu, and I'm certainly not a fan of either him or his wife, but but surely this is is just becomes a little bit much. This can't be a protest in the name of democracy to go onto a moshav where somebody's having a few days break um, and to you know to 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 potentially even damage uh, somebody's business which is up there is 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 you know is this okay in your view do you think i think it i think it takes it i'll i'll take it even a step further because the people who live on the moshav have said that the police have been um, policing the situation in such a way that has prevented them from continuing their daily lives. And of course, there is a lot of agriculture that happens on the Moshav and some farmers have actually been prevented from reaching their land because of police blocks um, to try to somehow uh, control the situation of the protesters. And I'm told, even though I haven't seen it reported, but I'm told that those protesters have flooded social media with negative comments against that hotel in order to try and bring its name into disrepute. That's so terrible. it just takes your argument Ugh. even two steps yeah, further yeah. than just simply um, making somebody's um, holiday a, a, a bit of a miserable time. Um, so I agree that I think that things have just been taken a little bit too far. That Morshad certainly doesn't, rec- doesn't it, yeah. deserve to have that treatment and certainly not that uh, that hotel on the Moshav, they certainly don't need social media to be flooded with negative comments about the place from people who are not even staying there and um, just protesting outside. So I do agree that I think this is taken too far. And, you know, it, it shows how determined this uh, demonstration movement is. But on this occasion, I think um, it's really just a step too far. Absolutely. Finance Minister Smotrich has appointed a task force to manage the allocation of government funds to the Arab sectors. Now, why is this necessary? Well, lots and lots of controversy surrounding Bitzalel Smotrich managing um, this allocation of funds to the Arab sector. This is... Um, this is money, 200 million shekels, which actually was agreed upon by the previous government and has been earmarked for uh, economic development in Arab municipalities and higher education program for East Jerusalem residents. And Smotrich has drawn a lot of criticism because he actually held up the allocation of these funds uh, that were um, approved by the previous government, um, and it would be uh, no secret for me to say that Smotrich is not necessarily fully in favor of this allocation, given his own political mm. leanings. But to be fair to him, um, he's come out and made quite a lot of sense in the way that he's described the situation. In the first instance, he, he came out saying that he feels that it is in our interest to allocate funds to the Arab sector and that he's not in principle against to this against this idea of doing so however he feels that a lot of this money is going to places that it shouldn't go to and he is very very concerned about that so for example um he feels that it's uh, being uh, used to fuel organized crime 
in local Arab municipalities. And we do know that more than 100 people have already been killed just this year in violent crime within the, the Arab municipal areas. And so he's concerned that um, this money is being used not only to fuel organized crime, but also uh, for potentially terror activities that could be um, mounted against Israel. And so he was um, stopping the flow of funds, stopping the allocation of that money um, because of his fear about exactly where this money is going to land up. Now, the prime minister has intervened and he's made a statement which I think is worth reading, just a short statement Mm -hmm. which I think is worth reading. And what he said is that Arab citizens of Israel deserve what all citizens deserve, and I am committed to that. These are the words of Prime Minister Netanyahu. This is my demand of all government ministries, and it will be done after a check that ensures that money indeed reaches its destination. Arab citizens of Israel. That was the statement made by the Prime Minister and in principle supported by Finance Minister Smotrich except for the fact that he's concerned exactly where the money's going to. So in order to try somehow to deal with the situation, he's decided to appoint a task force to analyse and approve the transfer of funds to Arab municipalities and to East Jerusalem. And this task force will be headed by the Director General of the Finance Ministry. We'll also have other representatives from uh, the Law Enforcement Society and from the tax authorities. Um, other representatives will be on the task force. And the idea is that they will check where the money is going to before the allocation of funds. So I think that all round there is some sense, even though it's been highly politicized, and even though Smotrich's name has been brought into disrepute because he stopped the flow of these funds. But I think we can understand why it is necessary to ensure that when government money is being allocated in order to develop economic areas and to make things better, that the money is actually being used for that purpose. Mm, mm, Absolutely, no doubt. Ukraine has threatened to prevent Jews from visiting Oman over Rosh Hashanah. So this this is just this ongoing story, isn't it? Because certainly there were problems during COVID. Then there was, of course, the Ukraine. There is the Russia-Ukraine war. Now what is going on? Well, this is um, something which I don't quite fully understand because um, the the Ukrainian uh, ambassador to Israel has said that this is a response to Ukraine's displeasure with the Israeli treatment of Ukrainian visitors in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, however, that Israel has really opened its borders to Ukrainian tourists, both Jewish and non-Jewish, people who have come here um, for the duration of the war or to try to escape from the war situation. Israel's High Court of Justice has even intervened um, by allowing those people who are not Jewish and therefore not entitled to uh, claim Israeli citizenship under the law of return to allow them to stay even longer than three months that the Israeli government decided would be the length of their visa. Um, Israel, uh, the, the government itself actually extended visas for non-Jewish refugees after originally capping the, uh, the limit, uh, and that was um, the, the, that was actually struck down by the High Court of Justice. Um, so the courts intervened. The Israeli government has really tried to get involved in whatever it can do in order to host Ukrainians who have tried to escape from the war. And then we get this little notice, this little message from the Ukrainian ambassador to Israel, who actually happens to be in Kiev at the moment, saying 
Well, because Ukraine is not happy with Israel's treatment of Ukrainian visitors to Israel, um, Ukraine is considering banning um, Jews and Israelis, clearly, because most of those who go to Oman come from Israel, banning them from visiting Oman over Rosh Hashanah. I think that this is kind of a little bit more to the story than meets the eye. I think that this is the Ukrainians saying, not that they're unhappy with the way in which Ukrainians have been treated, but they're unhappy with the fact that Israel has still not agreed to provide them with any military hardware to help them in their fight against Russia. And this is an ongoing dilemma for Israel because I think that under ordinary circumstances, even if it wasn't quite the Russians who were on the other side of this war, mm. then Israel mm. would behave differently. I think Israel is very much inclined to support Ukraine as much as possible in spite of many people raising what went down in Ukraine during the Second World War and the fact that the Ukrainians weren't particularly friendly towards Jews. And also during the Cold War period, there were lots and lots of issues about native Ukrainians apparently not treating Jews very well. That aside, all of that aside, I think that Israel would be very much inclined to try and help Ukraine simply because there is a feeling that Ukraine has been invaded upon in a very, very unjust way, in an unjustified and unjust way. And therefore, it doesn't matter who it is. That's just not the way in which politics and, and international diplomacy should work these days. And I suppose the subtext is that we would like to receive the support of the international community when we get treated in a way which is unjust and unjustified on the diplomatic scene. So I think that Israel is very much inclined to help Ukraine. And of course, there's been a lot of um, humanitarian support for the Ukrainian war effort. But ultimately, the Ukrainians need military hardware. They need protection. They need uh, help in terms of fighting the war against Russia. And I think that this is um, one of their kind of demonstrations of uh, dissatisfaction about the fact that Israel has still um, not agreed to provide them with the things that they've requested. Um, apparently, 20,000 Israelis are set to travel to Uman for Rosh Hashanah, mm. which of course is the burial site of uh, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, um, who, uh, who's a revered Hasidic rabbi, died in 1810. And this has now become an annual event, 20,000 people traveling over Rosh Hashanah to a small town in Ukraine called Uman, where Rabbi uh, Nachman is buried, um, and it becomes crazy there. I mean, this kind of triples or more um, the population of Uman during that time with so many people taking on. I think the Israeli government have ultimately said, look, this is not just. We've really done whatever we can to help Ukrainian visitors, and we expect that Israelis will be allowed to visit Uman. Uman has come under attack from Russia, by the way. Um, there have been um, missiles that have uh, landed in Uman and done quite a lot of damage to the village. So um, I'm not quite sure exactly how the people will be made safe while they're in Uman over Rosh Hashanah. We will, I suppose, hear more about that in due course. Absolutely. And uh, and uh, finally, before I let you go, 13 Israelis have been rescued from the conflict in Ethiopia. Yeah, so this, this Ethiopian conflict has, has, has sprung up again. And, and there were a number of Israelis, a former Ethiopians, who are now Israeli citizens, who were visiting in Ethiopia and uh, who were found to be in an unsafe situation due to the conflict there. And uh, a, an Israeli insurance company, together with uh, the Israeli Foreign Affairs Ministry, actually carried out a rescue mission to bring these 13 Israelis back to Israel safely to rescue them from the war zone in Ethiopia. 
There were apparently seven other foreign citizens who also rescued from the city of Dabarak, which is um, also in that area, not far from Gondar, where a lot of the Jews are, um, and where um, this rescue mission uh, was taking place from the Amhara province of Ethiopia. Um, but the related story is that there are still apparently up to 11,000 Jewish descendants who are trapped in Ethiopia waiting to come to Israel after all the numerous aliyot, all the numerous plane trips, people who've come from Ethiopia over the years. And I think I read recently that there was just a, a, a plane uh, that brought another 130 Ethiopian immigrants to Israel not too long ago. Apparently, there are still 11,000 people waiting to come to Israel from Ethiopia and waiting for approval by the Israeli government and, of course, uh, ultimately for the, the rescue mission, uh, a plane to be sent to face them, or planes, because there are 11,000 people, planes to be sent. Um, but there is still a lot of controversy. And uh, similar to the Russian situation, there seem to be a lot of people in those uh, areas who wish to come to Israel who are kind of jumping on the bandwagon. Suddenly mm. they find mm. that they've got yeah, a Jewish great-great-great-great-grandparents mm. somewhere back when, and they feel that they should be allowed to come. Israel suddenly become uh, an attractive location. It suddenly became quite fashionable to claim that you're Jewish when really um, – it's quite questionable as to whether you are Jewish or not. And so the authorities are trying to do whatever they can in order to filter out the um, people who are genuinely Jewish from those who set themselves up. Um, it's a lot of work to be done. 11,000 people. It's astonishing that there's still so many people waiting to come to Israel. Indeed. Anthony Rock, thank you. As always, wishing you a fantastic weekend, a Shabbat Shalom, and, of course, we will catch you on Monday at 7.45. That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. Dot com.